0: So, I might play basketball tonight.
1: Is that why you're wearing, like, literally wearing, like, an Anthony, is that an Anthony Davis jersey?
0: No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Do people actually wear jerseys, like, to play basketball? Not people who are good at basketball. (laughs) Oh, so maybe I should wear a jersey out there.
1: Yeah, I think that would be, like, a fair sign to everyone that you're not serious.
0: (laughs) Except it's the gold one, and I just look like the sun.
1: Yeah, I was trying to think of a good burn for that, but honestly, nothing's coming to mind. I think I think you pretty much nailed it.
0: <laughs> the good burn? The sun joke? Welcome to The Lake Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, Danny Green first shouted out my tweet on his Instagram, and then Alex Caruso liked my tweet itself so basically what I'm saying is you're recording right now with a Los Angeles Laker that's pretty exciting yeah I mean I think that you're
1: an honorary member of the team like chemistry wise at this point it, it's kind of like I mean you did the meme of the two like buff arms coming together for the like Alex Caruso Danny Green get, getting random drug tests but I also think that like maybe they take their second arms and they also link those together and they're like liking Anthony Irwin tweets <laughs>
0: It's just like a dual arm hug. Yeah, it's just it's just like, it's just like an actual bro hug in it. They're the cross
1: armed t- arm wrestling.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's being a Lakers is pretty cool. I gotta say, it's 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 not bad. I, I, I should... mean, you're literally wearing a
1: jersey, so I can tell that it's already gone to your head. <laughs> like th- this is actually a little bit of a problem, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean. It's not a problem until I start making demands of of the way this this podcast is going to go, which we don't even know quite yet, honestly. We don't really know where this thing is going to take us. So you these are these tend to be either our worst or our best shows. Are you excited for that? Uh no, I never am <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> let's start let's start with that Danny Green thing. Let's have a little bit of fun with that. Why sure, is? It? I mean well, my my question is it's it's a pretty straightforward question. Why does the NBA call them random drug tests?
1: Yeah, see, that does seem to I, I kind of agreed with what you wrote earlier for Silver Screen and Roll, uh, that like the these are ceasing to seem as though they're actually random. <laughs> because you had Alex Caruso, you know, got it after that Photoshop picture of him went viral, which okay, sure, one time, one coincidence does not a trend make. But right. then Danny Green dunks on someone for what Dwight Howard thought was the first dunk of his career. Um, and all of a sudden the NBA and maybe the NBA thought the same thing because they immediately randomly drug tested him. Quote, I'm using air quotes for randomly, right? The, the downside of an audio medium. So yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you on this. I, I think they're I, I think Kiki Vandeweghe is just like scrolling Twitter or looking for anyone who looks buff <laughs> or like they're playing better than normal. And then he's just like, all right, drug test. That's how I'm choosing to believe that this works, even though I have no idea if he actually has any say over drug tests or not.
0: Danny Green has to be one of the better players to have been drug tested, right? And like let that come out publicly. Cause I feel oh, like I mean I mean, pretty much
1: everyone gets drug tested.
0: This is this is me speculating wildly, so this can't be held Most against guys me. Just, if okay, when I, yeah,
1: so that's a good disclaimer. Most guys do get drug tested, though. Most guys just don't tweet about it.
0: Right. Well. Right. I mean, this one this one's a funny joke. Like that, it, it is legitimately and objectively funny that that Green guy yeah. drug tested on, on after last night's play, but my wild, my hot wild, you know, just absolutely stupid thing to probably say publicly is that the league doesn't really want to catch a lot of its guys for peds i'm not touching that (laughs) (laughs) he's like you always kind of look at like the caliber of player that actually gets dinged for peds and it's never a real superstar Right.
1: How dare you disparage DeAndre Ayton like that, <laughs> that and Hawks legend, John Collins, okay? A, a
0: superstar DeAndre ate one.
1: Do you get it? Yeah, I mean, possibly ate one like one that was illegal under the NBA substance <laughs> review policy.
0: <laughs> he tried to eat Devin Booker. Um, no, but I, I have you, you can't say you haven't noticed this, though, right? That... I mean now once you brought it up it's like yeah that is
1: kind of interesting although like I and mean we guys Derrick Rose
0: point said that it was like 7 out of 10 guys that were getting dinged for PED or that that were like uh participating in the taking of PEDs Derrick Rose Yeah I mean I don't know how He <laughs> looks so, how un- much you that. so <laughs> uncomfortable. he sounds so uncomfortable.
1: Yeah like I, this is we are trending dangerously close to no. I I get I, put I, get, the a, I get an email there. tomorrow. I'm speculating
0: wildly and obnoxiously, Just just like what I do. But still, like it's certainly it's obnoxiously. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just Green has to be one of the better players that you know. The drug test came out because usually it's like like Richard Lewis got dinged, Hito Turkoglu got dinged. While they played for the same team, uh, it, that pisses off Cavs fans everywhere. But it's never like yeah, a re, true like super-duper I mean, star. Lewis and Hito Turkoglu were really good for
1: that Magic team back then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really me- – it, it honestly changed NBA history because if those PEDs actually affected that series – because they beat LeBron to get to the finals mm-hmm. against the Lakers that year. So yes. PEDs might have cost us a LeBron-Kobe finals. Did they they
1: failed it was after that series it was the next fall if i remember correctly Yeah Okay yeah it was, yeah. It was
0: that very next that was that, right that that uh offseason they they failed those drug tests So Yeah It sucks it sucks it would have been great to to get a Kobe LeBron although it would have ended twitter
1: Yeah i mean or at least like like nba debate shows
0: i think <laughs> Stephen E's just combust <laughs> no
1: that's just like an entire economy gone because then you don't have you can't make the oh, theory you
0: don't have the what if oh you're yeah, right. yeah you
1: don't have the what if anymore it's like we have this empirical thing that's like that's five hours of, of radio
0: a day <laughs> all right let's actually talk about something actually basketball here since it's kind of sort of our jobs anthony davis had the proper response to this, but Frank Vogel said that he needs to get Anthony Davis better shots.
1: And Well, first he said he wants to get him more shots. And then Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis said that, uh, you know, he doesn't care about his shots. He just wants to win, which, you know, like, that's the right thing to say. Um, And it seems there's, Nothing that's led me to believe that he doesn't actually feel that way. Um, And then Frank today was talking about what the team can improve. And he talked about a couple things. And then he just said, and honestly, I have to do a better job of getting Anthony Davis like shots on the move, Mm -hmm. which is like, that's, I I think, should be encouraging for Lakers fans to hear that he's not looking at this 11 2 start as we're flawless. And he's saying, well, okay, but where are we having hiccups? So that cannot come back to bite us later. What can we try and find solutions to? And it's you know, it sounds like they want to try and get him some easier shots, which, you know, in lieu of like sitting him down to like rest the shoulder does sound like a good idea so that he's not constantly having to launch these fadeaways or, you know, drive wildly towards the basket and try and finish through contact, like trying to get him a little bit of an advantage like that. That's going to make things better. That's going to make the Lakers offense better. And it's going to make it easier on Anthony Davis.
0: I'm going to say something that is probably going to shock our listeners. but I, I agree with Harrison. I don't with well, that, but <laughs> I, I don't have a complaint about Frank Vogel so far this year. I think he's done a very good job with the Lakers so far, Like, especially when you take into account the kind of circumstances he's coaching this team under.
1: Is this the first thing you've ever not had a complaint about? Sex. See now this is why I want a show plan when we go into these things.
0: <laughs> I hope somebody just isolates that. No, but like with with Vogel, let's again let's take into account what kind of circumstances the scenario he was walking into with the Lakers. So first, maybe while he was sitting outside the interview <laughs> that the Lakers had with Teron Lou, Lou walks out of the interview, tells Vogel, best of luck, bud. And Vogel goes from potential assistant coach assignee to now the head coach, who also, by the way, had to cede control uh, over the hiring of his own personal coaching staff. Had to allow input. Yeah, well, he ceded – Yeah, there's a difference. They basically just said, like, you're going to have Jason Kidd on your staff. And he's like, oh, okay, all right. So – you go from and, – and by the way, Jason Kidd, seen by many, including myself, maybe kind of sort of still, as the potential replacement if things didn't go well with Frank Vogel. And he dealt with that, and all he's done is say all the right things and massage all the right egos and push all the right buttons. And here you have the Lakers. Harrison, the Lakers might be 10 games above 500 uh by the time people listen to this, maybe if they you know really take their time and listen to it on on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning or whatever, <laughs> like now you're just stretching. I know. I, I started that sentence. I had no idea where I was going with it, but but like that's that's an incredible accomplishment for this guy. And 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 all the while, now he has said some things, especially regarding Rondo, that I just pulled my hair out while when I when I read or I heard those things, and and caused bill Orem to give me one of the greatest gifts of all time but like other than that though in terms of the actual decisions that he's making and the way that he's managing this team and the way that he's managing lebron and anthony uh davis other than i think they're playing a few too many minutes they i don't have any real gripes about the, the job he's doing and and you know what it's really refreshing
1: yeah, the the thing is, and, like, I, I don't want to turn this into, like, the Luke slander show, and I, so I'm just acknowledging this right now that every, like, piece of praise that I give him is going to sound like a shot at Luke, which isn't necessarily how I mean it, but it also isn't, like, not like it's also, that.
0: Yeah, it's also reflective of what we just came, like, the experience we just had.
1: Yeah, and so, like, I just think that the biggest thing to me this year is that Vogel, like, as much as he talks about, okay, I want to get five-game sample sizes on lineups, I want to do stuff, that all makes sense. And that's all, like, what pretty much every coach does. Like, Mm -hmm. they don't coach every game like a playoff game where they're just, like, roping guys around. But he does tend to treat the second halves of games a little bit more like that. We've seen Mm -hmm. a lot of times where, like, if a guy just doesn't have it, that night or a guy just like a lineup is not working like if they're a starter they might start the second half still sometimes they won't even do that but so they might start the second half still like this happened a couple times with JaVale McGee where it was clear he just didn't have it going that night and you know he plays his opening stint to the second half and then just does not play the entire rest of the game yeah or you know like like there have been games where KCP just doesn't have it and like he he gets nine minutes because he plays his first stint and then Vogel just kind of like pushes him out of the rotation for the rest of the night. So, like, he does seem to have a very good feel for when something's not working on that evening and it's just, like, it's really bad. He does seem to get that relatively quickly and go away from it. He doesn't just stick with things that it's, like, okay, this is the fourth game in a row that this lineup has not worked and you're still subbing them in for the second time in the second half. Like, um, and so he doesn't, like, have a rotation on paper where he just is going off of that, essentially. And he does seem to make these decisions. You know, I think it's somewhat gut, feel, stats, all that stuff factors into it. But it's just been, like, night and day from, like, this year to last year. And, again, I, I think, to be fair to Luke Walton, Vogel has much better tools to work with than Luke Yeah. Did. But um and like like having just even having just Anthony Davis, even if everything else was equal, like it papers over a lot because that's a guy that can kind of carry some lineups that may not have worked otherwise. Um, but I, I just think that for the most part, he's made pretty sensible rotation decisions like we've even seen in some games like I'm, last, last game. It seemed like he was almost trying to burn off all of Rondo's minutes in the first half. And then um, just kind of like go to the lineups that he wanted to play. And I know that he's praised Rondo, but I I think you and I have talked about this conspiracy theory on either lockdown Lakers or on here. But like I'm not 100 percent sure that like he actually is like in love with like the idea of Rondo playing all these minutes that he talks about. I think that he just is incapable of not talking positively about someone.
0: Well, I I think that kind of gets back to or or gets segues perfectly to the point I was going to make. I don't know. Did you happen to catch when Shaq had that either as it happened or after the fact when Shaq was talking about how coaching doesn't matter in the NBA? No, I completely missed this. Was this during a Laker game? It was a wild one. No, it was like it was like in the after the games had been played, the guys on uh, TNT were kind of bantering the way that they do. Yeah, I've just
1: I've missed a lot of those shows this year now that like I'm I'm going to all these games. So, like I just don't catch it as much as I used to. He he really said coaching doesn't matter.
0: It's, it was it was it was it was wild. It was wild to see that. Also, similarly wild was that incredible humble brag on your part. That was a good one. That was
1: Yeah, I I like working it in. I actually, Anthony, I'm a very busy guy. I go to every single Lakers <laughs> game and I also go and talk to the guys at practice and at shoot arounds. It's you know, it's just a job. I mean, I watch every single Lakers game. Yeah, it's true. And you don't have to leave your house. So really, who has it better? Oh, it's me by all. Yeah, lot. no, definitely you. Like, <laughs> I have to put on pants every day. It's
0: BS. <laughs> I'm not wearing them right now. But, uh, but to get back to what I was going to say, so Shaq says that coaching doesn't matter. And now he did that thing that especially pro athletes will do where they kind of talk themselves into a corner. And instead of recognizing the fact that they just talk themselves into a corner – or maybe made a point that they were trying to make poorly. They keep doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on...
1: Uh, I believe we call this the LeBron James China-like move.
0: <laughs> or just Paul Pierce's existence. Yeah, the, well, they, yeah, that. <laughs> so so Shaq starts out by saying, coaching doesn't matter. And then he did that whole thing. Like, remember when he ate the chip? And he was just, like, overcompensating and just, like, refused to move any of his facial muscles? Uh, as in, in order to just like to, to prove that that chip was not crazy spicy and then it like bubbled over and he had no choice but to just like almost die on set. And so he did this thing where he was he was trying to like double down on this point that coaching doesn't matter. And instead of what I what I would have rather have happened there, because I think there's there's a version of the point that he was trying to make that I think got lost in him doubling and tripling and quadrupling down as Charles and Kenny and EJ were just kind of making fun of him. And it was that, like, coaching in the way that fans think of coaching, X's and O's, you know, minutes, like those kinds of things that people kind of point to while they're watching games, that doesn't matter nearly as much as juggling egos, especially in the, in the NBA where you have these— Yeah, that almost— I would actually take it one step
1: further. That kind of coaching, like the what you're th- what a lot of people think of and you know, not necessarily listeners of this show, because I think that our audience is a little bit more informed yeah, than most, but we like have what the smartest a lot of people,
0: audience out there.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean that's what I always say. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people um like the way that they think of coaching your like your Hoosier style coach your your coach yeah. K your college coach um where they're just screaming yelling guys and stuff like sure yeah guys yell at each other in the NBA but overall it and like I'm not, like Frank Vogel makes decisions and chooses things and makes final calls and things like that I don't want to suggest that he doesn't but overall in the NBA it's a lot more collaborative and this isn't just a Lakers thing it's like mm-hmm. a thing almost across the league if you don't play for the Chicago Bulls you're dealing who, like, with some of the, the
0: biggest stars superstars in sports in the end yeah
1: and like these guys all these guys make more than the coach they're all more indispensable <laughs> yeah. than the yeah. coach like unless the coach is greg popovich and even then like i think you and our listeners are not going to agree with that but i just mean in terms of job security like he's one of the few that probably has more than most of his players um yeah.
0: he's perceived like, as more indispensable but the san antonio Spurs learned the shit out of that lesson with Kawhi.
1: yeah it's true Mm-hmm. Even like even the best even guys that managed egos for years and years and years can find one guy who they end up not agreeing with or whatever,
0: and that's all it takes. Yeah, but but what I was saying though is that like and to tie this back to Vogel is that like he has this personality that I think works really well with this team. He's this unassuming dude who refuses to say to not even to he, it's not that he ever he ever gets to like the point of criticism. He refuses to get close to the point where he isn't saying the nicest thing about a player at any given moment, right? Yeah, he, like if he critiques things, it's
1: always we as a team type thing. Right. Like he almost never singles anyone out or actually, to my He'll recollection, has not really <laughs> singled anyone else out besides himself.
0: Yeah. And and I think I think when we're talking about coaching, while it's he's not doing the coaching job that many might think of as like coach of the year stuff. And I think this is why, frankly, Coach of the Year is kind of a perceived cur- curse amongst coaches is that I don't think we quite understand or, or grade coaches the way that we probably should. And I think Frank Vogel this year, when you take everything into account in terms of the egos that he's dealing with, not just on his roster but on his bench in terms of fellow coaches, the organization that he's dealing with and the, the organization that hired him – Everything that was going into the season, he has done, I would say, about as good a job as any coach in the NBA this year. And, and I, I, I am
1: legitimately flabbergasted by this like turn of events and the way the direction that this podcast has taken.
0: I, I think he deserves a ton of credit. I really no, do. I, th- I, hey, I think
1: so too. I'm just shocked that you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's I've never good. heard you say a nice thing about a Lakers coach over what? We've been working together. Like, we've the coaches that we've had five to deal years.
0: with were Byron Scott and Luke Walton. <laughs> what, what nice thing would I say about Luke Walton and Byron Scott?
1: What's a, um...
0: <laughs>
1: Luke Walton Luke had was... nice suits. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I hope Geeter isn't listening. He coached, he, he actually, to, to his credit, he coached a pretty good defense a couple times.
0: He did, he did. Uh,
1: when, when he had literally every single person healthy, he was able to coach, like, a really, really good defense. It was just, like, one
0: injury and that was over. Which, to be fair, that was also kind of how the roster was built. Vogel did, Vogel has done that so far this year and, and, and actually has a, an offense that is capable of outscoring the opponent. And, like, has gotten, like, Quinn Cook and, like, other guys who you'd think would be,
1: complete like is it sieve is that how you pronounce that sieve sieve Civ. yeah whatever yeah. Same what, same whatever same that word same is same defensively. Same defensively.
0: samsonite
1: yeah what like you know quinn e- even rondo like rondo hasn't been great on defense but like it hasn't been like last year and some of that is rondo buying in more and like giving more effort but it where it's just like it's comical the degree to which he is targeted and like how easily he gives up switches and things like that like now it's just like regular not
0: good <laughs> Though Stu Lance wasn't impressed the other night, did you hear that? No, I didn't. Yeah, he was during the telecast. He was kind of, kind of laying into Rondo a little bit. Saying, like, do you guy, Do you ever? Do you ever notice that it's always Rondo's guy who's wide open? He
1: was Wait, group. like this realization just dawned
0: on him now? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, this is Rajon Rondo we're talking about, man. Like yeah. this was this was a singular moment in NBA history that. Uh, that Rondo was actually criticized by, well, well, that a Laker was criticized by Spectrum, but but Rondo was criticized by, you know, a, a you know, basketball insider. Yeah. Well, because Stu was a former player. So like, you, yeah. you uh, former players usually love the way Rondo approaches the game. Yeah. Let's take it. Let's take a quick second here. When we come back, uh, we still have a few more stories to get to. I do kind of, this is going to shock you, Harrison, but I do kind of want to, touch on the Kobe angle of last night's game. Oh
1: God, I was hoping you just forgot about that. Okay, I guess
0: we'll address it. <laughs> I I can't believe that I'm the person, this is the, like the most backwards show of all time, right? I'm the person who wants to bring up the Kobe aspect of this conversation. Uh, I'm the person praising the head coach. What's Are we in the upside down? Yeah, no, I don't. It's not that like I don't want to talk about Kobe. It's that
1: I don't want to talk about Kobe with you. Um, you'll be you'll be surprised at my take here again. I
0: think. I okay. We'll see. So I saw. I mean, I, Twitter Twitter is this weird vacuum where I think you get some of the oddest criticisms of basically anything. But there was I, I saw a bit of an undertone to the whole like why are laker fans deifying kobe why is the why is it such a big deal that kobe was there at the game and i kind of thought on it and stuff and and i didn't want to give it a bunch of a, any real attention on twitter because i don't think that's the place to really have this conversation because no. there's so many there are so many levels to to the kobe dynamic that it's impossible to have that conversation and and not have it go south but i was thinking about it like specifically from a laker fan taking out the and, and granted, it's it's not a good practice to take out aspects of the Kobe existence, the Kobe dynamic. But but just from the Kobe – from the Laker fan perspective, what might be going into why there was such an outpouring of support for, for Kobe last night uh, or two nights ago based on when you guys are listening to this or three nights ago based on how I think some people listen to podcasts apparently. Oh, my god. But – but with Kobe I was trying to figure out like why because I felt it too I felt like I was like oh man this is really cool that Kobe is there and I was trying to figure out what was going on there and I what I kind of came down to the theory that I kind of landed on and you can and you can tell me if you think I'm crazy for this one is that when Kobe played that last game when he scored 60 points and walked off the Lakers floor for the last time as a player it wasn't just that like God, this sucks. I'm never going to watch that guy play basketball ever again. Like that, that, that was, there was, there was the sadness that rolled over you for that. But there was also this tension that existed because you didn't know what was next for the Lakers. Who was next for the Lakers in that moment? And then what wound up being next for the Lakers in that moment or, or over the next few years was just, punch to the face Bat- and to the gut. <laughs> it was just it was just like the worst game of thrones plots at one after another, you know, reek after reek after reek after reek. Uh and and you know, I I think part of why this season has felt so special and part of why it felt so cool that Kobe was there for that is that Staples Center and everybody present in Staples Center was able to look at Kobe and be like we did actually find what's next. We did actually arrive. We landed on our feet somehow. Well, we,
1: you had that. I mean, you had literally the embodiment of that moment as LeBron James yeah. and Anthony Davis
0: took turns going over to go dap up Kobe. Right. Like, right. And I, I just I, I thought I thought it was a cool moment. And I wish on Twitter now. Twitter isn't the isn't the platform for this because it's it's all about you know reacting to things in the moment and giving your up to the second reaction to whatever is going on. Well, and also on.
1: outrage gets the most interaction yeah. on Twitter anyway.
0: But I, I, I do wish people would have thought about that for a second, though, with Laker fans, because that does matter. You know, that's it's it's like when we talk about this with Dwight all the time is that he legitimately thought he lost his first love, right, which was basketball. He thought that he was never going to have an opportunity like this. And and you, you see it come through, not just with how he plays on the court, but with his interactions and his and and his quotes after games and his and his posts on social media that he is legitimately loving every second of the fact that he actually got this eighth chance and he's gonna make the best of this eighth and potentially final excuse chance. you it's his eighth second chance okay <laughs> right but I, I don't know like do you, do you see where i'm kind of going with this with kobe last night because i i thought it was really cool as it was happening but i couldn't quite figure out what i found specifically specifically cool about it and, yeah, I, and I, when I thought about it more, I, this is kind of where I landed.
1: I think there's something to what you're saying. I also just think that like, I, I was talking with some people about this in the like SB nation slack today. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, cause they were talking about all this stuff and like asking me, like, they're like, why is it like, he's been retired like five years. You have LeBron and Anthony Davis now. Like, why is this such a big deal that he's back? And like the thing that I said is, it's like it's not just that he's a great player because Lakers fans obviously love those guys too. Like Shaq gets love whenever he comes back, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, James Worthy, like Magic, like a- anyone when they come back, like Alex any of the Caruso fans, like, during warmups. Yeah, Alex Caruso when he checks into games, mm-hmm. like any of these guys when they make their appearance, like they get love from the Lakers fans. Um, but it's not in the same way where it completely captures the entire game like Kobe does, and I think. I think it's somewhat because, like, a lot of the people that are rooting for the team now, and especially a lot of the people that are on social media and use it a lot, like, they – Kobe was the guy that they grew up watching – he was the first, mm-hmm. like, social media superstar for the Lakers where people were tuning in for Twitter updates, like, on what was going on with this guy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, where he could reach out and, like, have all these different forms of media to get his voice out there. And I think that he really took that and run with it. And it's more than just, like, how he was as a basketball player. I, I think that he shaped a lot of the world views of people who watch the Lakers now and who are fans yeah. now because they compare everything to the way that Kobe That's thought about he, the game um and so it's it's more than just it's it's like it's not just a player returning it's like your basketball philosopher king basically right. has yes. come back and is like on some level showing his tacit approval of this new team mm-hmm. and again like I'm not saying that that's the way that you have to look at it or that I have an, an issue with anyone who looks at it differently. I just think that that is uh, like as big of a part of it as anything. And the thing that bothered me was not like people saying, you know, like, OK, if you're a neutral NBA fan or even a Lakers fan and you're just like, why is this such a big deal that Kobe's back? I- I'm fine with that. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, the, the stuff that was bothering me was the people dismissing the players opinions as though like they could not have possibly meant that. Have you not seen Kobe's vorp? Um type stuff. Like where it's just like he gets treated like he's this all time great, but if you look at his true shooting percentage, like, okay, dude, like I I think that and Pete's Pete said this a lot more eloquently than I have, like on a lot of different mediums, but I I agree with his point about that we are too quick to dismiss players talking about what they see on the floor. I'm not going to say that they're always right because like Kobe shaking you and rising up for a fadeaway jumper that he only hits like, you know, 30 or 40% of the time or whatever, like that um, from mid range, like that's not a great shot, but I can understand how if you were a player and you're the one that fell to the ground because of the move that he just did or something like that, yeah. like, or you're, he keeps getting shots off over you and you can't block him no matter how you try hard you try. And if you try too hard, he draws a foul. Like, I can understand why those guys would have a ton of respect for Kobe, not to mention that, like, when all of these guys were growing up or most of the guys in the league were growing up and having their formative basketball years, Kobe was at the top of the NBA, like winning championships, uh, like five over basically the course of a decade. Like, that kind of stuff has a cultural impact. Yeah. And Kobe went beyond that with how much he espouses basketball philosophy. So it's just like, to me, like, I, I just don't think, and you're not you're not doing this, our listeners probably are not doing this, but I, I just think you can't invalidate these guys and what they have to say about Kobe just because, like, you don't like him or you don't, like, agree with him personally or you don't think he was that good of a player. Like, you can't just say, like, oh, well, these guys can't possibly have that opinion. Their opinion is wrong.
0: My thing is... And and we see this a lot with James Harden. I'm just going to come out and say it with James Harden. I don't like watching him play. I can't stand watching James Harden play. I think he plays a bastardized kind of scam. He has a scam a- approach to basketball that I just can't get behind. Now, when Harden isn't going out of his way to draw contact that doesn't come naturally within the flow of a game – and and he's just playing based off of talent. He has he he he's an incredibly talented player, and I love watching that version of 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 James Harden. But when he's pulling his typical bullshit, that I, I just I can't get behind it. I don't. No, respect he's it. like he's like the subprime
1: mortgages of basketball. He's really profitable for like a certain specific set of people, but yeah. not great for overall like viewership and for everyone else.
0: Right. And and but here's the thing for the people who do like James Harden so like if you're a Rockets fan and you really like James Harden I understand it he gets you yeah, results and
1: like in, in and in 10 years if their player is saying that like you know it was an honor to have James Harden at their game that night, like you know, it's yeah. Like, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, oh, well, your opinion's stupid
0: because like you grew up watching this guy have a ton of success. Like we just we just do this weird thing where we demand that everybody like what we like, and we demand that everybody not like what we don't like, and it's just, it's just, it's so effing taxing on what's going on there. Last night was cool. Period. Done. It was cool that LeBron yeah, came over. demanding that you like last night because he did. No, well, no. My my thing was that like my, <laughs> last night. Last night was cool as a moment that you had LeBron, an all-time great player, and somebody who was fighting to 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 continue to prove himself to this Lakers fan base. Had Kobe sitting effing courtside, put on a show for him, and the Lakers get themselves a nice win. And our our in the middle of a really fun exciting season so far and, and, and if honestly, you're if you're telling think- if you're telling me though if you're telling me that laker fans are wrong for enjoying that then fuck you dude you don't get to you don't get to decide that for laker fans you just don't just like if you don't like it and you, and you give me valid reasons as to why you don't like it, then fine. I'm going to back off and say it's not for you. That's perfectly OK. But this idea that we have to demand that every single fan have to agree on what somebody does or does not like or enjoy or whatever, it's just it's, – it's so dumb. And it, and it literally eats at the fiber of the enjoyment that should come out of sports. It, it, it's maddening. That's where yeah, I want we don't to do that on this podcast. If you want to listen to that,
1: then you go listen to Lock On Lakers, where Anthony will <laughs> judge everyone and everything for how what they like and whether or not it is like good or bad. I understand
0: why Kobe drives people insane. I get it. Like he he drove me insane in it, it for stretches of his career. He really did. But like, it, I'm also not going to sit there and scream at people for for whether or not they. I'm I'm def, what I'm definitely not going to do. do is tell professional basketball players who hold this guy up as their goat? No, you guys are morons. You guys are all dumb. What? <laughs> that that's definitely not what we should be doing. And 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 extending that out to fans. I just I thought I thought it didn't take away from the moment of last night because I thought the moment was cool enough that I was able to ignore some of that and and no it secret just, guys it was just weird it little, was just little weird little secret. If you mute Kobe on Twitter. Your your your, Twitter existence gets a little bit better. And because, you still would have seen my
1: video of his ovation last night because I just said there's some author here yeah. and like people are really excited. So well, I'll, I'll make sure not to use his name.
0: You're gonna say you're gonna say what you want to say about Kobe and you're gonna feel how you want to feel about Kobe. But when you are somehow able to eliminate people who are trying to outdo each other for how much they can dislike Kobe. And you and there's a way to rid that from your life. It, it actually gets your, your basketball life gets significantly better. Yeah. You said we have uh, mailbag questions.
1: Yeah, we do. I actually, my, my one, uh, the, I wanted to address two other things. Like, I, again, I, I do not want to say that like any, anyone who doesn't like Kobe because of like obviously the allegations against him mm-hmm. from like I, I just want to make this crystal yeah. clear. Like, uh, you know, stemming back from, I believe it was 2004, um, but early 2000s, like obviously I completely understand that. And I think neither Anthony or I would begrudge you for being like, nope. you know, you, you don't like this person on a personal level because of that. And like, on some level, judging people who do like him, like I totally understand that. But also like most, it's just not quite that clear, I think for the majority of Lakers fans. And it's not that necessarily that black and white. And it's just, it was just weird to have it devolve into this, like you can or can't like Kobe debate for the 476th time on the timeline.
0: Right. I mean, my, my thing is, if you present me valid reasons as to why you don't like a moment or you don't like a player, in this case, it being Kobe, and you hold that stuff up, the allegations against him up, and his handling of those allegations, then okay, then we can have that conversation. It's a lot more complicated than people make it out to be, but okay, we can have that conversation. We just you know, we Twitter is not the place for that though. And unfortunately people want to take it there on on a on a platform that is not designed for that kind of a conversation. Yeah, it's
1: just perform it it's like people trying to just dunk on each other. Yeah like um uh, the other, only other takeaway. This is a much less serious takeaway. But Dwight said that Kobe got his attention by slapping him on the neck. Which the is the most weirdest Kobe thing <laughs> I have ever heard. Like,
0: <sighs> yeah. did he
1: have to? Like, Kobe's a lot shorter than Dwight. Did he have to jump to slap him on the neck? No, like, he's not a
0: lot shorter. He definitely well, yeah. had to raise his hand above his head, though.
1: Yeah, like, how is that? How you get someone's attention?
0: Oh, my thing is, Dwight said he almost elbowed Kobe in the face. <laughs>
1: That would have been one of the greatest (laughs) moments in internet
0: history. Like, I'm not going to lie. No. What if we didn't get the elbow on camera? Okay. We didn't get, but Kobe is sitting there courtside with a shiner on his face And the only explanation we get with no verbal proof of whatever went down was, yeah, Dwight accidentally elbowed Kobe in the face. No,
1: you want to know why that would have been on camera? That would have never not made it on camera is because Kobe absolutely would have fought Dwight right there if Dwight had elbowed him. Even if it was accidentally, he's like, I'm not losing this one. <laughs> he it's has, finally on. Mike
0: D'Antoni's not here to stop us. Like, he has, he has old retired dad man strength, though. Like Dwight has had dad strength since like he came into the league, but still, I yeah, don't think Dwight, there's a m- I think multiplication factor. Dad strength. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to the questions, and then you have a chapter of Byron's book to read. Yes,
1: so uh, we have we have a couple questions. Uh, you, our our wonderful and brilliant listeners, came through, so we don't have to trash talk all of you this week. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is uh, this one's in all caps, and it's from Laker Fan All Day twenty four. So oh, they boy. probably enjoyed that last segment. Um, and it's in all caps, so I'm just gonna read it like like caps. And <laughs> Harrison will not get married at Applebee's. <laughs> And that's the subject line. And then the, the question is to Anthony and Harrison in another universe where the Pelicans didn't want Brandon Ingram because of his blood clot issues and they take Kuzma instead. How do you think this team would look? We would have that uh, have that long defender that
0: can cover small forwards. But Ingram didn't really
1: play well with LeBron. Your thoughts.
0: Ingram hitting three pointers like he's attempting three pointers more than he did last year, especially off the catch. Uh, him doing that makes me more optimistic about how the team look. Let's be frank. As an all-around player, Brandon Ingram is better than Kyle Kuzma, right? We we can agree on that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to push back
1: on that. I I said that while they were both here. So I mean, like Kuzma was more productive at points, but like it was. I, I think it was always clear that Ingram had a higher ceiling.
0: I think I, the other thing too. So the the, the reader or the listener um, mentioned Brandon Ingram's defense which obviously would have been huge in in those games against, I don't think it would have been huge while I don't think it would have been a deciding factor in in changing the way the game played out. But Ingram against Siakam, I think that goes better than it did Ingram against Kawhi works out better than it did with KCP trying to guard Kawhi. But I I don't know if those things were enough to, to alter the course of the way that game played out. Uh, but Ingram's creative chops would have come in handy on this team and you would have needed Rajon Rondo a lot less than the Lakers have needed him. And I think if if the Lakers had more creativity uh, or, or ha- would have had the added uh, creativity that Brandon Ingram provides over Kuzma, some of the problems and, and some of the necessity for Rondo is kind of lessened. And I think that would be a good thing for the Lakers overall. That was exactly the point that I was going to make, because for me, it's less the wing
1: defense, like especially against the wings that the Lakers are going to need to defend. Like Ingram could probably guard Paul George like somewhat capably, mm-hmm. but he's not stopping Kawhi. No. So like that does not like like it, Kawhi might split Ingram in half, like with that shoulder of his. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, when it when he does get healthy and back on the floor. Yeah. Um, But for me, yeah, like, I think the creativity stuff, like him being able to, like, be another ball handler and a guy that can somewhat capably, I mean, he's not going to run an offense in the same way Rondo does, so maybe you are back at square one, but it's somebody that at least, like, if they're getting full court pressured, can do something with it and doesn't have to give the ball up.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's all, there's there's just, I kind of, I've always liked offenses that start from the wing versus at the top of the key. And if you have a guy in Ingram who can start that offense from the wing spot and as the ball changes sides of the court, forces the defense to rotate over, I just there's there's value to that that kuzma it I don't think will ever really provide Kuzma can't dribble well enough to provide that kind of value and And I think Ingram being able to dribble is would be would be useful. But i even with that said though, Kuzma's hitting. Over his last five games, 47% of his three pointers. He's going to regress at some point. Uh, but if he's at or around, you know, 40 ish percent this year, then you'd be fine with either guy. Yeah. Um,
1: Okay, so let's. I I think we got to that one. So let's uh, let's get to this next one. This is from C J. Mendenhall, and the subject is Harrison can sleep inside. So, (laughs) really appreciating the listeners looking out for me specifically. Don't seem to care a whole lot. Oh no, okay, they they care about it. They care about well, they care about your daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. hey Anthony and Harrison, I don't want Harrison to have to sleep outside or for Avery to starve. So I'll ask a question because of the way. Yeah, yeah, same. I. I would not want to sleep outside in my neighborhood. I will say that Um, because of the way these games have been going, I've developed a new betting strategy. When the Lakers were down 14 against Dallas, I placed a bet on the Lakers plus 400 winning the game. When they were down 17 against Chicago, I placed a bet on the Lakers plus 350 winning. By Ooh. waiting until they are down to place the bet, I have won much more. Do you think they will continue to play with their food or start building leads earlier? Um, and so this person asked like a couple questions. The, the the I'll get to the other two questions. Let's answer this one first, but the other two are really quick. Um, I don't understand betting, so
0: <laughs> th- this one's all you, buddy. So basically in the examples he what was he gave Chicago, and what was the other example?
1: Uh, it was Dallas and Chicago.
0: Okay, so— Dallas, I think you still could have gotten like a decent money line odd, but I probably not great. So basically what this person is betting is that he's waiting for the game to go poorly. And once the live odds shift, basically, so in the Chicago one especially, the Lakers probably heading into that game in order to, if you were to bet the money line, which means this is the odds that you get if the Lakers just went outright without covering, I'm sure okay. it would have been like negative 290 or something like that, where you yeah. only get like 30 cents or so back on on the dollar that you bet, per dollar that you bet. Yeah. And in this case, though, by waiting, he flips that. So you go from negative 290 to whatever he said, plus 350. Now you're, you go from making a fraction of the dollar that you spent to multiple dollars per dollar that you spend there. It's actually a really brill- brilliant betting strategy, really, um, and I actually think there might be value in that moving forward because the Lakers, like as we get further, are intent in- on killing the writers covering the team. Yeah, you got that, but but the the Lakers uh, are are going to realize okay, we need to win these games with as little energy consistently put out as possible, and. As such, they are going to play with their food more often than uh, like you say, Harrison. us who are in charge of the recaps would maybe prefer and and I think, yeah, I think there's probably value in continuing the strategy moving forward It's a great idea
1: yeah i mean i I also endorse this idea now that someone who understands gambling has uh has endorsed it i think that's <laughs> i mean honestly i i wouldn't really i'm I'm too scared to gamble like consistently uh. <laughs> I am up lifetime on Vegas and, like, probably will never bet again as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Be like Jared just,
0: Dudley, who's not going to attempt a three-pointer again this year because he's three for three so far.
1: Honestly, I would respect the strategy. I think it's four for four, isn't
0: he? <laughs> I don't know. Did He He yeah. didn't attempt another
1: one last night. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, and then two quick fire questions also okay. from CJ. Um, just ask: what is a good website or app to make podcasts? uh anthony and i use skype and megaphone Mm -hmm. um and we are company men so we'll just shout them out yep uh and then also does anyone else think harrison and darius sound oddly similar
0: (laughs) as somebody who has spent a lot of time talking to both of you i don't hear it as much but i kind of
1: hear it sometimes in darius's voice i kind of get it how if you didn't talk to us all the time you would maybe hear it it pisses both of you off enough that I'm going to say that I hear it a lot. I mean, I'm not really insulted. I know he is, which is, I think <laughs> that's why I'm pissed off, because that hurts more <laughs> that like he hates Did the you... comparison.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, what you needed to say there when asked if you and Darius sound alike, you should, you should have said yes and no.
1: Oh, uh, I really should have. Well, uh, let, let's try this again. All right. Read yes and clip. no. <laughs> there it is. I heard it. Um, okay, so this one is from Breezy 12 and the que- it says, Question for the Lake Show. Uh, so thank you for shouting us out specifically. Uh, Alex Crusoe's bald eagle nickname is the coolest I've heard in recent memory. What are some of the most and least favorite nicknames in sports? Um, so let's answer that one really quick. What, like, favorite and least favorite nicknames in sports. I, I'll, I'll start to go first because I kind of knew this was coming. Uh-huh. Um, I think my favorite ever is The Machine for Sasha Um, Like, just because it was like – at one point it was earnest and then later it was almost kind of ironic because he just like, he was not a three point <laughs> marksman as much anymore. Um, but he still, you know, was the machine. So I, I think that's probably one of the top ones. I think least favorite, this might be a little bit recency bias, but it's LeBron's nickname for the Lakers bench last year of mud misunderstood <laughs> like, and whatever else was the rest of that acronym. Like yeah. that was so corny and lame. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that. Those will be my two
0: nominees. So, my favorite nicknames I mean, like D Wade's The Flash. I like that one a lot. Uh, I liked Slim Reaper for uh, Kevin Durant. And then, you know, to answer the worst nicknames ever when he asked that everybody call him the servant, that was. Oh, oh
1: god, that was so cringe worthy. Lamest... That was back when he was, yeah, that was back when he was, uh, um, like you know, fake humble, basically. Well, he
0: was trying to, he was trying to be the anti-LeBron, like that's yeah. the the niche he was going after. Uh, so I I, I thought that was incredibly lame. I want to ask him. I want somebody to ask him about the servant thing now, where he's at. Well, just tweet at him. It seems like he has plenty of time to respond to people now. Um,
1: You're on a pretty good track record right now with NBA (laughs) players. I don't know if you're going to be like Dudley and just hold them all in from now on. You're you're two for two. I almost Um, never add athletes, but that was too good. The meme was too
0: perfect not to send that one.
1: Yeah, I just Googled um, best nicknames in sports, and this came up with a couple good ones. Muhammad Ali, his nickname was just the greatest, which yeah. is a pretty great nickname,
0: especially when you back it up. Well, uh, Sean, I, why- I have I, the, the best one ever. I want to give my best one ever. My favorite okay, one ever. Okay. Ready? Yes. Andre Karolinko was AK-47. That was pretty great. I mean, that he was this Russian dude. He wore number 40. Now, Part of this too is, is it cheating if you wear your jersey number specifically for the nickname? Is that kind of cheating? Uh, what do you think? Is he, is he cheating? No, in I, I think that plays. I, I think if you are creative enough and aware
1: of the brand enough to yeah. just like go with that from the beginning, I, I think that's okay.
0: I like it too. I, I, I think that's my, that's probably my favorite ever. Although like you got, oh man, Daryl Dawkins was Chocolate Thunder. That was great. That was actually, that's actually a great one. Yeah, um, I, th- there's just some, there's some really good, Cap for Kareem, Kareem, like, for some reason, it's just so classy, Cap is perfect, Air Jordan, obviously, you have to mention that, King James is fun, just because it sounds so biblical, um I, it's kind of taken on a, a, a thing of its own, but. Honestly, that... to bring Kobe back into this,
1: like, the Black Mamba, initially, like, it seemed kind of corny, and then he somehow, like, he just stuck with it for long enough that it became kind of fitting,
0: I'm not. I'm not a fan
1: of the Black Mamba. You're not going to endorse it. No, I'm. I've, I think it's honestly because I made make so many jokes to you
0: about it that I've liked, <laughs> like. I've it, now man?
1: started to just kind of like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other nicknames. What? What other? You said you googled it. So what did? Yeah. What did your so Google Sean
1: find? White. This is actually incredible. Uh, was the flying tomato? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the snowboarder. Yeah. Oh, I. That I that. thought. I thought it was like. For some reason when I read when I heard Sean White I thought of like a a big puffy white guy who like turned red <laughs> in basketball. No, just... the Flying Tomato is also Andy Reid's nickname now that he's
1: in Kansas City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's a Kool-Aid man. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that could work. Pistol Pete is pretty great. That's good. That's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. Oh, Magic. How do we not say Magic? Yeah, honestly that
1: that one's so good that it doesn't even seem like a nickname anymore. No. But like- but he just think that thinks that's his actual
0: name. Yeah, Nick the Quick. Nick the Quick was a great one. Shots to Chick Hearn. Uh Chick also was a nickname, right? He was Francis. His first name is Francis. Yeah. So that's a good With, one. Although
1: I don't know if it counts as a nickname if like you were in broadcast back then. I felt like all those guys had like cheesy TV names. Like I How think that's dare, did you just name. call
0: Chick Hearn cheesy?
1: No, no, no. They just all had like, <laughs> like they all had names that were not theirs that were made to sound like quicker or whatever.
0: You just called Chick Hearn cheesy on the Lakers podcast, man.
1: Uh, whatever. No, nobody like that listened to Chick call called games is still listening to this.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm right here. Now I just doubled down on Pete, it like this. If Pete ever go.
0: hears this, he's gonna shoot you, disown yeah. you as his son.
1: Why is it, why why would that be significant to him?
0: <laughs> no reason. Uh, we okay. actually got compared to Chick Hearn the other day in the uh, in the Locked On Lakers iTunes reviews. Okay, that's
1: not really warranted, but um, I mean, um, so the the second part of this question was also with Pete selling out and going to work for the man who will now gain custody of hair. Okay, I did not read this all the way through. (laughs) How do I get anchorman by these so often? Oh, well, since we're on the subject, should
0: I tell my anchorman story?
1: Oh, sure. I can uh, I can tell mine as well after you go ahead. Sure. All right. Well, well. Just... Should we wait? let's answer the question first? All right. Like, all right, all right. You... Who... I mean, I I honestly think like you know, Pete Pete may have been my um my dad employee, but now he's just my dad, so that's okay. This is like now we just aren't going to work together. I don't think yeah, anybody it's... gets
0: custody of me. It's less complicated
1: now. Yeah, like I don't have to be his son boss anymore.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So my I'll just tell my story really quickly. Over the weekend. Um, <laughs> I I was asked to go get Don, uh Dunkin donuts for me and Jen. She texted me her order and I read the order verbatim and the last part of the order was my sexy butt in a tortilla. Uh but I said it out loud. I I said your sexy butt in a tortilla to the poor young woman who was no! on the other on the other end. Of... <laughs> That's
1: why I didn't realize it was phrased like that. No, that no. So it was so much worse.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> Jen said she wanted. So Jen's text uh, was, no, Your okay, sexy yeah. butt in a tortilla. I, no, I
1: don't want to hear you
0: again. No, I'm going to bleep that. Um, sexy butt tortilla. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> you could never go back to that Dunkin' Donuts again, right? I mean, I. So if there were cars in front of me, or if there weren't cars in front of me, I would have just driven right through and never gone to that Duncan ever again. Um, but there were cars in front of me and I oh. I had to, you know, it's not like you can just like zoom on through after two cars have now seen her. So I saw it actually she said that it happens quite a bit because Duncan is open so early in the morning the people aren't quite themselves yet. So I felt a little better, but I still might be canceled.
1: Oh, no, dude. He said that just so that you'd leave. Like, you're <laughs> definitely – there's a photo of you, like a drive through photo on the inside <laughs> of that window. Yeah.
0: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Sexy butt tortilla guy.
1: Yeah. Um, I have a similar story, actually. I was picking up uh, Wendy's for a group of, like, my friends at one point. And, um, like, so I was going through the drive-thru, and I'm reading off everyone's orders, and then I get to the bottom, and I read off, like, and a bottomless cup of your love. <laughs> into the drive-thru window, and the, yeah, that woman did not make eye contact with oh me as I was getting the orders the entire
0: time. Were um, you wearing a hat? I was fortunate enough to be wearing a hat, so I can get no, away with a little I, bit of it. I don't think so, no. Mm. Yeah. Wow. We're idiots. Yeah. We are complete. Are, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> we are Ron Burgundy's. I don't think we have enough time for the uh, Byron chapter. So you? No, you we don't. Out.
1: We'll just get to this final question because I actually think it's a fun one, and I appreciate
0: right. the amount of effort the person took in.
1: We'll we'll put put the Byron chapter next week, but right. okay. This one is from Lalo seventeen eleven, and it's fun question: Magic and in the Infinity Gauntlet. So I was in love with it already, just reading the title. Um, help, Matt, and I really appreciated this person like wrote it as a short story. Do help, you,
0: Magic Johnson somehow got think, his
1: hands do you on think the Infinity.
0: If okay. if Magic actually had the Infinity Gauntlet, uh, that he would like announce when I snap my fingers, half of you will go. Yeah, probably. He'd tweet it out. He'd be like,
1: "Goodbye to half of my
0: friends, <laughs> half of my followers." Yeah.
1: Um. So okay. So magic, uh, help! Magic somehow got his hands on the Infinity Gauntlet and snapped his fingers, causing the whole NBA to lose half their roster. If now that's tampering. Um, Luckily, Adam Silver prepared for this situation after multiple CBA meetings with Thanos Johnson and has created a time machine allowing each team to rebuild their roster by bringing back up to three players from past seasons at each player's respective season's peak. It can either be one superstar, one role player, and one bench player, or two superstars and one bench player with the team split as such who would you guys bring in to save the season so team one is anthony davis Javale, kuzma kcp daniels caruso and rondo and team two is lebron dwight green dudley norvell bradley and cook
0: so i'm just gonna be uh just for the interest of full disclosure here pete and i answered this on locked on lakers Wait, oh, they, they got you this one too? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, what did you answer there? Well, I didn't understand the question, so I just like, I just basically remade the, the question. But Pete and I talked about it afterward, and I think we kind of figured it out. So basically, you have to, with those two teams, bring back two or three players from the other team to add to that team and make the best team available.
1: No, I just took it as um, you are bringing back uh, these players, and you're getting them in their prime.
0: Oh, see, yeah, I, I, I feel like there's like three thousand different readings to this. Uh, also, yeah. I also want to point out, I'm going team two. I've just I put
1: all the thought into it that I'm going
0: to. <laughs> I, I I do want to say though that like I would have absolutely welcomed, like I would have taken my fifty fifty chance at life if it meant half of that Lakers roster disappeared last year oh my god (laughs) that's
1: wrong okay Dwight you literally Dwight just talked to us about this about being nicer to everyone uh-huh. and you were just mad at people for judging everyone and telling people what they could and couldn't uh-huh. like and all this stuff and then you just asked for half the Lakers roster last year to be erased from existence
0: <laughs> hey there's a chance that I get erased too so you know I, I just oh had, I, I welcome all myself right.
1: to that hypothetical as well Okay, alright we're wrapping up the show
0: <laughs> talk to you guys later